theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. And I can have what it says I can have. Come on, if you believe that, give God praise as the man of God comes to preach the word of the Lord. Bishop, take your liberty. We're glad to have you at Extraordinary Church. Well, can we give God praise this afternoon for all that he is doing? He is good. He is good. I said God is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth through all generations. Oh, bless his name. Oh, bless his name. All that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. It is so good to be here today at Extraordinary Church. Can we give the Lord another great hand clap of praise? My, my, my. I am so thankful to be able to be here, and I want to just... I want to right off the bat, if you please, give honor to Senior Pastor and First Lady Thompson. Could we do that? God bless them. Amen. Love and honor you, sir. And you have an extraordinary church pastored by an extraordinary pastor. Amen. Amen. And what a blessed, what a blessed people that you are. And I, 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 as soon as we arrived on site, the first person we met was Brother Andy who was acknowledged and honored today. He made us feel right at home, told us where to park, told us how to get out of the rain, the best way into the church. So it's, it's such a welcoming, hospitable place, extraordinary church, and it's an honor to be here. And there is a, there is a, a certain sense of destiny that I can feel in this atmosphere. And you could feel the energy of the Holy Ghost when you walk upon this property and in among the people, you can feel the presence of God that is here. Hallelujah. And to be able to partner with you today and to celebrate with you and participate in what God is doing is indeed a great honor. And I, I want to thank Pastor Thompson for the very kind invitation. I have looked forward to coming and being with you today. If, you, if this is your first time here, God bless you. I certainly hope you will return to hear Pastor Thompson preach because what a blessing he is to the body of Christ here and abroad. And amen. You're a blessed people. You're a blessed people. We thank the Lord for that. I want to thank Brother uh, Trevin Patois for uh, bringing me here from the other side of Toronto today. And we appreciate that so very much. I will invite your attention to the word of the Lord this afternoon, reading from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 16. I'm also going to read from Acts chapter 2, Matthew chapter 16 and Acts chapter 2. And I want to just read a few verses of scripture in your hearing. Matthew 16 verses 13 through 19. The word of the Lord says this, when Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee, and I want you to notice, if you will, these words, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Also from the book of Acts, the second chapter, beginning with verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, that did it. That, that did it when they heard this. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And that is when Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. And by the help of God today, I would like to speak to you on this subject, the keys to the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom. Could we just lift up our voices one more time and ask his blessing upon his holy word. Lord, I thank you for every person that is gathered in this room. I thank you for your spirit that fills this house. I pray that as your word goes forth, it will find good ground in our hearts. Allow your messenger to be anointed as I preach and allow your people to hear your word as it comes forth. Help us. Help us all to receive it, to apply it, to obey it. In the precious and matchless and mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And the church said, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. An extraordinary church said, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Before I, before I begin, let me say this worship team, oh my goodness. These musicians, these singers, what a blessing. It's, it's a time of refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. There is an account in the Old Testament about a king whose name is Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar is quite the historical figure. He was not only a king, but really you could call him an emperor because he truly did rule and reign over an empire. He really, for the most part, conquered what was uh, then the whole world certainly that region of the world, which comprised much of the world, and Nebuchadnezzar was without question the superpower emperor. And one night he had a dream, and it so troubled him that he just, he, he could not sleep. He came up out of his sleep, 
very disturbed, very troubled. He called for many to come who had been known to interpret dreams. These were astrologers. These were uh, what the Bible would refer to as wise men. These were Chaldeans, soothsayers. And they were called to Nebuchadnezzar in the middle of the night. And this was unlike him to be so troubled by a thing. He really was so big and so powerful that he felt invincible and he kind of seemed invincible. People thought of him as being invincible. But tonight he did not seem invincible. He was, he was scattered. He was scrambled. He was searching for uh, some kind of answer. And so he called to the people who he thought could help him because they claimed to be able to help him. They were psychics, they were fortune tellers, they were card readers, they, they claimed to have superpowers. And so he said to them, I need you to come and interpret a dream for me. Because he said, I, this dream has so troubled me and I must know the interpretation. So they all stumble out of their respective sleeping quarters and they make their way to where they had been gathered and called and they said, all right, we're going, to, we're going to help you. We're going to tell you what you dreamed, the interpretation of your dream. All we need to know are the details. And he said, that's the whole problem. I don't have a clue what it was that I dreamt. I just, I just know it troubled me. So, guys, I'm asking you tonight not just to give me the interpretation. I actually need you to tell me what it was that I dreamed. And then... I need you to give me the interpretation. Well, this was something new, and this was something they weren't prepared for because uh, the gig was up. And they were like, no, 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 we need details. If you tell us what the dream was about, then we'll tell you what every little part of it meant. And he said, but I need you to, I need you to reach into your powers and tell me what it was that I dreamt. And, and when he realized, hey, wait a minute, you guys don't have any power. You guys don't know stuff like you say you do. You guys don't understand things like you claim to understand. And so Nebuchadnezzar began to realize that they were frauds. They, were, they, had, they had been putting on a charade. And, and so he, he ordered their execution. And the order went around the land that all the wise men were to be executed because they could not tell him the dream and they could not therefore give him the interpretation of the dream and the word of this edict reached a man by the name of Daniel and Daniel was a wise man but he really did have in him the power of God they said of him that he had an excellent spirit and so Daniel was like the real deal and it wasn't through any kind of psychic or fortune telling or witchcraft or anything like that it was because of the power of Almighty God But word reached him that all the wise men are going to be executed. And he was like, wait, why? Why is everybody going to be executed? Why am I going to, why me? And they said, well, nobody can interpret the dream. I said, I'll interpret the dream. Let me add it. I'll tell you exactly what he dreamt. So he walks into his throne room, if you please. And he says to Nebuchadnezzar, oh, king, I'm going to tell you before I start, this isn't me, but there is a God in heaven. And he reveals secrets. And he said, the thoughts of thy head upon thy bed were these. And he begins to explain in detail 
what the dream of Nebuchadnezzar was. And he says there was, in your dream, there was a giant statue. And the statue had as its head a golden head. But it had, it had like shoulders and a chest of silver. And it had a belly of brass. And its legs were iron and its feet were iron and clay. And he said, that is what you saw in your dream. And he said, you watched in your dream until there was a rock hewn out of a mountain nearby without hands. And that rock that was hewn without hands, it, it came and struck that image at the toes, at the feet, the iron and clay feet. And the image crumbled. And when the image crumbled, it just, it just kind of was done. And the rock replaced the image. And he said that rock began to grow and grow and grow until it filled the whole earth as a mighty mountain. And Nebuchadnezzar, when he started describing that, that statue and that golden head and the silver shoulders, Nebuchadnezzar was like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's right. That's it. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Yes. Yeah, feet of iron and clay. Correct. Yeah, there was a rock. It came out of the mountain. And that's right. The, the rock got bigger and bigger and bigger until it filled all the earth. And he said, what does it mean? And Daniel said, here's what it means. That statue represents the kingdoms of this world. And he said, that golden head is your kingdom. And your kingdom is going to be replaced by a subsequent kingdom which will be replaced by a subsequent kingdom which will be replaced by another and then finally another and that final kingdom of this earth will be the final kingdom of this earth and it will all be replaced by a rock and that rock represents the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven and it will grow until it fills all the earth. And he said, King Nebuchadnezzar, every single kingdom of this earth is going to come crashing down. And it will be replaced by the kingdom of God in heaven. And in the moment, Nebuchadnezzar was so empowered by this, so, so impressed, if you please. It really touched him because he knew this was God. And he began to exalt the God of Daniel and the God of the Hebrew people. But, but then just a few verses later, he started to think about what that actually meant, that his kingdom was going to be cast down, and he rejected it. And he built a statue that didn't just have a golden head. It had a golden head, golden uh, shoulders, golden belly, golden legs, golden feet. In other words, not going to be any other kingdoms beside mine. I'm going to have this kingdom forever and nothing is going to ever replace it and nothing is ever going to stop me from being the king of all the world. And in fact, the whole kingdom is going to worship this golden image. When the music plays, you're going to worship this golden image. And, and he decreed such a thing. And there were three Hebrew boys who refused to bow to this golden image. Their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, but they had been changed upon their captivity to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when the music played, they refused to bow. And Nebuchadnezzar said, bow, or I will throw you into a fiery furnace. And they said, we're not going to bow. He said, then you're going to die. They said, God can deliver us from your fiery furnace. 
I love that faith, Pastor. They said, our God is able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. And then, and then they were pragmatic. They said, he might not deliver us, but he can deliver us. He may not deliver us, but even if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow to your golden image. We worship one God. There's only one who is worthy of our praise. And we're not going to bow down to your image. That's faith. It's faith in the power of God to say that he can deliver us. It's faith in the wisdom of God that says he might not deliver us. But it's just faith in God to say, no matter what may happen, I'm here to worship the Lord and God alone. Hallelujah. And you know what? You've got to have that kind of tenacity. And you have to have that kind of faith. Because all the kingdoms of this world, they are coming down. Every kingdom of this world is coming down. There is no kingdom that will stand. Don't put your faith in the kingdom of man. Don't put your faith in the structures of this world. Everything is going to come down. And the kingdom of God is the only thing that will stand the test of time. When the world is on fire, the kingdom of God will stand. That's why the church is still going strong in 2022. We've been through a lot worse than COVID, ladies and gentlemen. The church has been through the fire, but the fire couldn't burn it. The church has been through the storm, but the wind couldn't turn it. It is the church triumphant. It is built by the hand of the Lord. God has ordered his church. It is his kingdom, and it will fill the whole earth. Hallelujah. This kingdom, there shall be no end to the increase of his government, and there shall be no end to his peace. His kingdom is forever. His kingdom is established, and that is the kingdom of which we are citizens. And the Bible talks about this kingdom in amazing ways. The Bible says that in this kingdom, there are no predators. There are no murderers in this kingdom. There are, no, there are no burglars in this kingdom. There's no one that will do you harm in the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says that the wolf will lay down with the lamb. The Bible says that no ravenous beast shall walk upon that highway that is called holiness. It is a holy highway. It is a place of peace and joy forevermore. And I want you to know that that kingdom is going to manifest itself on earth when the Lord returns. But until then, that kingdom of heaven is here inside of each and every one of us when we are repentant of our sins, baptized in his name, and filled with his Holy Spirit. Oh, it's a good kingdom. It's a different kind of kingdom than anything this world has to offer. It's a place where you can raise your family. It's a place where your marriage can thrive. It's a place where your children will be healthy, hallelujah, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, hallelujah, physically healthy, mentally healthy, eager to live, excited about living for God, excited about loving people. It's a good kingdom. And John the Baptist came preaching this kingdom. He said, repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, I am the fulfillment of that scripture of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. 
prepare ye the way of the Lord. I have come to prepare the way of the Lord because his kingdom is coming. Repent, bring forth fruits that are meat unto repentance. The kingdom is coming. And Jesus preached this kingdom. Jesus brought that kingdom right before our eyes and helped us understand it's a good thing, this kingdom. There's nothing like it. It's, it's an amazing thing. As a matter of fact, you don't have to worry. In this kingdom, you don't have to worry about everything else going on. You don't have to get caught up in the worry and the anxiety and the fear and the dread that some people face on a daily basis. In this kingdom, all you need to do is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, you know what? He said, consider the lilies, how they, to they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these lilies. And he said, if God then so clothed the grass of the field, which is today in the field, but tomorrow is cast into the oven. If God so clothe the grass of the field, how much more will he clothe you? He said, take no thought, therefore, for the morrow. What you shall wear, what you shall eat, what's going to happen, is this going to happen? All the cares and the concerns, don't even worry about all of that. For the Father knows what you have need of. All you've got to do in this kingdom is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And every little thing that you need shall be added unto you. That's what, that's what we were just reciting a moment ago as we were declaring the blessing of the Lord in our life. We're able to declare that blessing and understand. I don't have to worry about what tomorrow holds. I know who holds tomorrow. I don't have to worry about what situations may or may not arise. If a problem is going to crop up somewhere, it doesn't really matter. All I have to do is focus on God, His righteousness, loving God and loving people, and living life and enjoying the peace of God and everything I need is going to be added to me hallelujah Jesus explained to us it's a different kind of kingdom than most kingdoms he said in this kingdom it's different you, you, you don't, you're not like the Gentiles where you lord over people where you just where you just hover over them and dictate tyrannically every little thing it's it's different he said in this kingdom the, the, the chiefest among you is the servant among you. It's different. It's just a different kind of kingdom. The, the greatest among you are, are the servants that are among you. And to illustrate it, Jesus walked into a room with his disciples and and it was clear that there was going to be some foot washing because they had arrived, they had been on a journey, and nobody wanted to lower themselves to grab the towel and start washing other people's feet because that kind of meant that you were the lowest one in the room and everybody else was superior to you. So they're all standing there like, I'm going to wait and see who does this. And Jesus grabs the towel. Did you hear what I said? Jesus, who is the great I am, Jesus who is all in all Jesus, who is the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. He is the wonderful. He is the counselor. He is the everlasting Father, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Jesus 
grabs the towel and says, I'll show you who is the servant of all. The greatest of all is the servant of all. That's how it works in this kingdom. See, and in this kingdom, see, we, we, we think we understand some things about Jesus, but let me just challenge that a little bit because, because in this kingdom, servanthood is the majesty of God. He is a servant. He, he was a servant. He took upon himself the form of a servant. And, and, and I know we think, well, yeah, that's right. He was. For three and a half years, he was a servant. And he served for three and a half years while he walked the earth in his earthly ministry. He served. He served the poor. He served the broken. No, no, you don't understand. He, he's still serving. I know he died, was buried, and rose from the dead, and he ascended to the majesty on high. I understand, but that majesty on high is still service. If you don't believe he's still a servant, just call on him. Just call on him. Just call his name, Jesus. Jesus, I'm going to tell you, he'll come riding upon the wings of the wind. He will come to you wherever you are, and he'll say, how can I help you? What do you need? He's still a servant. I know he's a king, but his glory and his majesty is servanthood. You... You say, you say, but I thought we were supposed to serve him. We are supposed to serve him. But who do you think taught us how to serve? Hallelujah. Come before his presence with singing. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve your fellow man. That's the way this kingdom operates. It's a different kind of kingdom. In this kingdom, it's just, it's just different. It's just better. It's just great. It's it's just wonderful. It, it replaces all the kingdoms of this earth. This kingdom is it's just so different. The Bible says that this kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness and it is peace and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what this kingdom is. It's not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And in that order, you, know, you don't flip-flop the order. The order is the way it is. Righteousness. Peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You don't get joy if you don't have righteousness. It all starts with righteousness. And I want you to know that you and I cannot generate righteousness in and of ourselves. Righteousness comes from the Lord. He alone is righteous. Jesus Christ is made unto us wisdom and sanctification and redemption and righteousness. So it is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we are partakers of. And when he baptizes us with righteousness, and our life becomes righteous, that righteousness begins to generate peace. One of the reasons we don't have peace is because we got a little bit of unrighteousness somewhere. There's some unrighteousness lurking. And sometimes, uh-oh, uh-oh, sometimes we call that unrighteousness self-righteousness. Do you know the Bible never uses that term? The Bible just says righteousness and unrighteousness. We, we, we created a new little category for unrighteousness that we like to keep as a part of who we are and call it self-righteousness. But that's not a category. Self-righteousness is just unrighteousness, all dressed up and ready to go to church. 
Self-righteousness is just unrighteousness in its Sunday go-to-meeting clothes. That's all it is. It's just unrighteousness. There's righteousness and then there's unrighteousness. And if you've got some unrighteousness in you, you'll never have peace. But friend, righteousness, hallelujah, will generate peace. And you will have a wholeness and a contentment. Hallelujah. There will be a calm faith. Hallelujah. There will be a presence of God that surrounds you. And he will speak peace to the winds. He will speak peace to the waves hallelujah and when that peace settles on you for a little while it generates joy and the joy of the Lord is your strength you'll go from just being calm and content to actually being happy and it all starts with his righteousness that's the kingdom that's the kingdom it's such an amazing place I I love this kingdom. I, I want to serve this kingdom. No other kingdom will do. All the other kingdoms will fall. That's why when the devil tempted Jesus and said, I will show you all the kingdoms of this world. Those weren't just empires and political entities. Those were every kingdom before and after, here and there. It was every single kingdom that ever did or would exist. And the devil says, whatever you want, you can have it if you'll fall down and worship me. Jesus said it is written, thou shalt not, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And him only shall you serve. You know why he didn't want those kingdoms of the world? Because nothing compares to this kingdom. Jesus said this kingdom is like a, a treasure hidden in a field that if a man, a man would sell everything he has to buy the whole field just for that little treasure that's in the field. It's, it, he said this kingdom is like a pearl that is of great price and that, that a man would sell everything he has just to get a hold of that one little pearl of great price. He said this kind of a kingdom is a, this kingdom is where a shepherd, if he lost one lamb of a hundred, he would go search the countryside and gather it up and put it on his shoulders and bring it back to the flock. He said it's like a woman that lost one coin of ten and she would throw the house in disarray looking for that one lost coin. He said this kingdom is like a man that had five talents but when he invested in the kingdom it turned to ten and a man that had two talents but when he invested in the kingdom it became four. And those who don't invest in the kingdom but invest in the earth like the one talented servant in the parable of Jesus who took his one talent and put it in the earth. We sometimes say he wasted it or he buried it. No, no, he invested it. He just invested it in the earth instead of in the kingdom. I want you to understand it's just a precious place. Oh, I want to go. Oh, I want to go. It's in me right now, but, but when he returns... Hallelujah, the, the, the corruptible shall be turned to incorruption and the mortal shall be turned to immortality. Hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah. That's why we shout and we praise and we dance and we worship because we get a little happy when we think about all that he's done for us and all that he's about to do for us. It's not just emotionalism, it's pure joy. It's, it's real happiness. The Bible says happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Hallelujah. And when Jesus preached this kingdom, it got them excited. And so you can imagine 
how disappointed they were when he, when he died upon the cross, when he was buried in a borrowed tomb. They thought that all of their hopes for a kingdom had come to an end and they forgot his words that he would be wounded and bruised and chastised. They, they forgot that he explained to them that he would be betrayed and that, that his kingdom was not of this world. That he wasn't going to overthrow governments like typical coups would overthrow governments, but, but that his kingdom was going to be inside of his people and the kingdom was going to manifest itself from his people and that rock was going to be his church. And upon this rock he'll... Be, I'm going to tell you, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, that rock that we read about in Matthew 16, that's the rock that Daniel saw hewn out of the mountain without hands. That rock in Matthew 16, that's the rock Jacob laid his head on when he was running from Esau. That rock in Matthew 16, that's that little smooth stone David used to bring down Goliath. Hear what I'm telling you. That's the rock that honey came out of in the book of Psalms. That's the rock that fire came out of in the book of Judges. Upon this rock, I will build my church and here's the good news the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church you know what that's the rock pastor that the water came out of in the wilderness and you know what you know what I love about this the Bible says that rock followed them and that rock was Christ see that's the way this kingdom operates that rock followed them when they weren't following the rock, the rock was following them. How many know that's right? When you weren't following him, he was following you. How do you think you got home that night when you don't, you don't even know how you got home? I'll tell you how you got home. The rock was following you. You don't even know how you made it out of those circumstances alive. I'll tell you how you made it out alive. The rock was following you. A God who is rich in mercy. A God who is loving, full of loving kindness and tender mercies. He was following you. And Jesus expressed this to his disciples that my kingdom, it's not like the other kings of this world. It's, it's inside of you and it's going to be in you and you're going to give it to others and it's going to be in them and then I'm going to return and that's when I'm going to establish my kingdom. I go away but I come again to you in the form of a comforter and he shall lead you and guide you into all truth and bring to you the words that I speak and bring to, to your remembrance. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. So he told them all of that but they had forgotten it. When he died, was buried, then he rose from the dead and he showed himself alive to them by many infallible proofs. And he said to them, go tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And they went to Jerusalem and the Bible says that when they got to Jerusalem, they had gathered together in an upper room and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, or diverse tongues, like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. And there were, there were devout Jews there from every nation under heaven. And they gathered to see what was being noised abroad. And when they got there, they saw Galileans who were most likely unilingual and unable to speak multiple languages. And so they, they looked, and these Galileans were speaking like complex languages. 
and these devout, learned Jews from every nation under heaven who are multilingual are looking at these Galileans and they're like, wait a minute. What meaneth this? Everybody say this. What meaneth this? That we hear these Galileans, they're speaking Parthian, they're speaking Persian, they're speaking uh, 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 Cretan, they're speaking Greek, they're speaking Pamphylian, they're speaking Phrygian, they're speaking a multiplicity of languages. And we know these guys, we know they don't know all these languages. So what does this mean? Then there was another segment in the crowd, and the other segment in the crowd were not quite as uh, educated, they didn't know the lang multiple languages, and when they heard them speak in tongues, they thought it was just babbling. And so they said, we know what this is. These guys are drunk. We've seen this before. They're drunk. So Peter stands up, the apostle Peter, to whom Jesus was addressing in Matthew 16. He stands up with the 11 and the rest of the apostles and says this. You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be it known unto you and hearken to my words. He looks at the crowd that wasn't multilingual and he said these men are not drunk as you suppose seeing it is but the third hour of the day then he comes over to the crowd of people who spoke multiple languages and asked a legitimate question what meaneth this everybody say this what meaneth this and he said I'm gonna answer your question this everybody say this is that everybody say that this speaking in tongues is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel saying in the last days saith God I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions this speaking in tongues is that outpouring of the Holy Spirit Peter started preaching Jesus. He preached Jesus from the Psalms. He preached Jesus from David. He preached Jesus up one side and down the other. And he pointed his finger in their face and said, you have taken Jesus. And by wicked hands, you crucified him and you slew him on a tree. This was very provocative as it hit them square in the chest that they were guilty of murdering Jesus. Verse 36 he tells them who Jesus is. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that this same Jesus who you crucified, God has made him both Lord Jehovah and Christ Messiah. And he explained to them that they had just crucified the long-awaited Messiah of the Old Testament. The one Isaiah spoke about came and they crucified him. The one Hosea spoke of came and they crucified him. The one the prophet Micah spoke of came and they crucified him. The one Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Zephaniah and Zechariah and Moses and David and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. All of these prophets had foretold he would be here. This was the long-awaited kingdom of peace and prosperity and joy and hope. And he came and they killed him. And that, that pricked their heart when they realized he's right. This man fulfilled every prophecy of the Old Testament, and we crucified him. And a desperation set in, a panic, a panic, an anxiety gripped them, and they, and they, and they, and they desperately shouted out, what shall we do? What are we going to do? The kingdom has come. The kingdom has gone. 
the door has opened and the door has clanged shut. What shall we do? And that, that's the moment that Peter said, you're right, it's over. The kingdom came, the kingdom went. The king showed up, you nailed him to a cross. The door is locked like Noah's Ark. It's locked and it's shut. But give me a second. Because he did give me some keys. I, I remember. He said, I remember a conversation I had with him when he said who do men say that I am and some were saying you're Jeremiah and some were saying you're Elijah and some were saying you're John the Baptist but I knew who he was he wasn't just one of the great prophets he wasn't just another sage in this age he wasn't just a great teacher you are the Christ you are the Messiah you are the son of the living God ha. hallelujah and when Peter said that Jesus said, you're right, Peter, and, and, and no flesh or blood showed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. He revealed this to you. And upon this rock of revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Hallelujah. And when the time is right, I want you to pull those kings out, keys out. And I want you to dangle them in front of the people and say, if you'll take these keys and insert them in the lock, it'll open the door to the kingdom. The first key is repent. And it just simply means turn from your wicked ways. It just means turn from your sin. Don't get mad at a preacher when the preacher tells you about sin. That's not hate speech. That's love speech. He's putting a key in your hand to open up a door to the kingdom of this world. The reason the kingdoms of this world don't want to hear anything about sin is because they know that their time is up. When somebody enters into the kingdom of heaven, they're not bound by fear anymore. They're not bound by doubt anymore they're not bound by unforgiveness or bitterness or resentment anymore turn turn from sin turn from your wicked ways it might seem like a sacrifice but it's a blessing in disguise just turn from it hallelujah and walk in the direction of the Lord hallelujah when you repent of your sins you may weep you may not and you may weep you may weep and not repent but it's not about how sorry you are or how remorseful you are. It's about turning from your wicked ways. And understand what I'm telling you. The Bible says that if the wicked will turn from their wicked ways, the Lord will remember their wickedness no more. It will be like you never did it. You never said it. You never drank it. You never smoked it. You never were with them. You never did it. He will wipe away every sin stain. Hallelujah. And, 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 and the culmination of that repentance is to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It's a beautiful thing to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. It is the key. It is a key to the kingdom. You can't get into the kingdom. You must be born of the water and of the spirit. This is a key 
to the kingdom. And the beautiful thing about it is that when you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, immersed in water, in the name of Jesus Christ, here's what happens. You leave your identity in the water. And you take on a new identity, okay? Now, I want you to know why that's important. Okay, let me tell you real quick why that is very important. Because you've got everything that you have done is, is attached to your name. And it's recorded in the book of your life. So, so we spend our years as a tale that is told. And everything you have done wrong, good or bad, it's all in that book. And, and the Bible says that we will be judged for every idle word that we speak. So even the stuff we didn't even mean but said, we're going to be judged for it. I'm telling you that there is a rap sheet that is so, so big and documented on all of us. And our words are recorded and our deeds are recorded and they're in this book of our life and, and it's there and there's nothing you can do about it. And when you get before judgment, here's what the accuser of the brethren wants to do. He wants to point out everything in that book that would disqualify you and I from entering into the kingdom of heaven. And so the Lord knows what's in this book, but here's the deal. Nothing in this book matters if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So when I stand before God in judgment, I, 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 listen, I've repented of my sins. I've been baptized in his name and filled with the spirit. He so graciously saved me and I thank him for it. But I don't have to stand there as Joel Urshan who is responsible for all of this terrible stuff. I don't have to stand there like that because I have a new name. I have a new identity. I can stand there washed in the blood or the DNA of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And the way he takes away the sins of the world is he lived the same life I live, but he did it without sin. He did it without transgression. He did it without iniquity. He never committed a sin. That's why he rose from the dead. Death can only hold him. Is that there's sin in his body. There was no sin in his body. So death could not hold him. So when I stand before God, the Lord is like, okay, yeah, he did all this. But none of that matters if his name is in this. He will only be judged not according to Joel's book of life, but he will be judged according to the Lamb's book of life. And, he, oh, there it is. His name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So now he is judged according to the innocence and the blamelessness and the purity and the holiness and the righteousness and the goodness of the Lamb. That's why baptism in Jesus' name is important because I'm releasing my name and all the dirty deeds associated with it and I'm taking on his name and all the goodness and the glory that comes with it. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, it's a promise. It's a promise. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it's a key that unlocks the kingdom of heaven to you. And you can walk into that kingdom filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And here's what happens. You will speak in tongues when you receive the Holy Spirit. And here's, 
Here's what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit. Because I know some people are like, I don't know that I could ever see myself speaking in other tongues. Oh, you will. You will. And you'll, nobody will ever be able to stop you once you receive the Holy Ghost. It'll just, it'll just flow from you. And what happens is, it's, it's, there's a miracle that Jesus performed. It was his first miracle. And, and so I want to use this illustration to kind of show you how a person is filled with the Holy Spirit. This first miracle, he said, they needed wine at the wedding. And he said, okay, then bring me seven water pots and fill them with water. And they filled them with water, and they're like, but we asked for wine. He said, just trust me, I'm God, I'm really good at doing this kind of thing. And he said, just fill it up with water. And he said, and fill it up to the brim. That's really important that it be filled to the brim. Don't fill it up halfway, fill it up to the brim. And when they filled it up to the brim, the moment it reached the brim, it changed. It wasn't water anymore, it was wine. Okay, that's what happens when we receive the Holy Spirit. That vessel is like my soul, and that water is like my praise. And when I fill that vessel with praise, and I'm just, it's like, it's like, it just starts filling up. I start saying, Lord, I love you and I praise you. I worship you. There's nobody like you. You alone are great and greatly to be praised. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I love you with all of my heart. I worship you. I praise you. You are mighty and wonderful and glorious. You better watch out because it's reaching the brim. And when it reaches the brim, your language is going to change and what once was water is going to turn into wine. And here's why. Because your tongue is the most unruly member of your body. And no man can tame the tongue. And, and the power of life and death, it is inside that tongue. And everything your tongue does, it is controlling what your body is doing. So the more you speak negativity, your body just follows suit. Your whole world just kind of configures around the negativity and the defeat that you are speaking. But when you yield your tongue to God, you're not just giving him control of your tongue. You're giving him control of your whole being. And so your tongue will begin to, basically it's this. God is using your tongue to praise himself. Here's, here's what happens. Here's what happens. I mean, I call him mighty, but he's mightier than mighty. I call him awesome, but he's more awesome than awesome. I call him great, but he's greater than great. So God says, here, you give me your tongue, and I'll just praise me for a little while. And I've come to tell you, when he baptizes you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, you're going to speak in a heavenly language. It's going to come forth from you in a tongue you've never learned before. Hallelujah. And if that spirit dwell in you that raised Christ from the dead, that spirit shall quicken your mortal body on the day of the resurrection. Here's what happens on the day of the resurrection. We've all got these little key fobs and these car manufacturers years ago had this brilliant idea to put a little sensor inside the key fob and you can push the button and if you don't know where you parked in a shopping mall parking lot but you need to find your car, you can click that little panic button and your car will start honking and lights will start flashing and that car will go crazy letting you know, I'm over here, I'm over here. I'm over here. They put a sensor inside that key fob that correlates with the sensor that's inside of that vehicle. 
And I want you to know that when God filled you with the Holy Ghost, he put a censer inside of you that correlates with the censer that is in the trump of God. And when the trumpet shall sound, the Holy Ghost inside of you is going to start honking and flashing and quickening. And this corruptible shall put on incorruption. And this mortal shall put on immortality. And we shall be changed. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. These are the keys to the kingdom. These are the keys to the kingdom. You don't have to fight about them. Just accept them and use them. You don't have to squabble over them. Just accept them and use them. And enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Come on, somebody lift your hands right now. Somebody lift your hands right now and praise his name. Somebody praise him. Somebody praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Right where you are, just go ahead and repent of all your sins. Just repent of all your sins. Just repent of all your sins. Go ahead, confess it to God. Lord, I am a sinner. We, we know we're sinners. Without the grace of God, none of us have hope. Go ahead and tell him, Lord, yes, I am a sinner, and I need help to live above this sin. Help me to overcome these transgressions. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Wash me thoroughly. Cleanse me from my sin. Help me, Lord, to repent from my sins, to turn from my wickedness. Help me, Lord. Come on, all across this house, let's make a new and a fresh commitment to God. Lord, help me, help me turn from my sins. Lord, I turn it all over to you right now. Forgive me for everything I've done wrong, said wrong, thought wrong, acted wrong. Forgive me, Lord. Hallelujah. If you're watching online, go ahead and pray that prayer where you are. Begin to repent of your sins. And let the Lord begin to wash over you with a fresh power. Hallelujah. God can fill you with the Holy Spirit right where you are. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us online today. We're making these altars available for whosoever will. Let him come and drink of the waters of life freely. Come. Come right now. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.